Hello. Welcome to the 20th episode of the Sly Hooper Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. You think we're going to be talking about hoops today, and we will talk about hoops at a podcast later this week. I know I said I was supposed to come out with the pod on Friday, but kind of wanted the NFL draft to be over, the full draft to be over, and kind of sit for a few days and think about it for a little bit um, regarding my team, the San Francisco 49ers, and listeners will get to learn as they hear this podcast more and more, and I've mentioned it a few times, but big-time San Francisco 49ers fan here, third generation, if that is even, well, no, third generation Niner fan is a thing. My grandpa had been season ticket, has been a season ticket holder or was a season ticket holder up until they moved to Levi Stadium. But way back in the 70s or whenever season tickets first came out and he had been taking my dad, my uncle, and my aunts to games since they were little. And then it was three tickets, three tickets in row M. I have actually have a few of the tickets uh, with me in my apartment, but it was row M and it was three seats, the same three seats for generations, literally passed it down to my dad and, and his kids. And then, of course, you know, the aunts and uncles and my dad passed it down to their kids. And so I it ended up being like a turn system where it's like, okay, pick two or three games to go to every year. And so I I have been going to games at Candlestick since I was, well, for me, since I can remember, since I was seven, my dad says he took me to the infamous uh, Green Bay Packers 49ers wildcard game where it was Owens, Owens, Owens made the catch. Um, I was like five or six at the time, which I don't know why you would bring a six-year-old to the game, but alas, my dad did, and I don't remember any of it, obviously, but he took me there apparently, but my earliest memories of going to games were obviously seeing the Rams and Marshall Falk, who was one of my favorite players at the time. I had a Sports Illustrated for Kids magazine that had all the big-time NFL players from the early 2000s that you know, all the kids looked up to Peyton Manning, Randy Moss, Marshall Falk, Marvin Harrison. List goes on and on and on. So I've been going to games at Candlestick since I was basically as long as I can remember. Big time 49er fan. Obviously, I'm only 29. So the last time the Niners won a Super Bowl was when I was three years old in 1994. I don't even count that. I can't even claim it as my own. I mean, I'm a fan of the five-time Super Bowl champions, but I have not seen my team win a Super Bowl. I have actually seen two Super Bowl losses, which sucks, obviously, but just illustrating the fandom for you here so you could get an idea of the anxiety and the stress that I was feeling. I have rooted for different various starting quarterbacks over my time as a San Francisco 49er fan, and you know... My era, or what I know to be San Francisco 49er football growing up and going into college, etc., up until now, is completely different than what my dad experienced, you know, when he was in his 20s, early 20s, oh, late teens, and, you know, childhood, obviously, uh, very different. 
my dad got to root for Joe Montana and Steve Young, kind of like how Green Bay Packers fans got to transition from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. My dad and my grandpa, well, my grandpa saw, you know, John Brody, um, probably Y.A. Tittle as well, and then got to see, um, you know, uh, obviously Joe Montana, and then the transition into Steve Young. And so basically, they got to see elite quarterback play and a bunch of playoff games for the Niners. I have only experienced really the Jeff Garcia playoff runs, uh, the two, the one Alex Smith playoff run in 2011. And I don't want to go through the whole timeline or else this will be a two hour podcast. So I'm trying to make this as succinct as possible before I get into my draft thoughts. But of course, the uh, run where Colin Kaepernick started about game 10 into the 2012 season that led to Super Bowl 47, um, where Crabtree was held in the end zone. I will hold that to my grave. Crabtree was held in the end zone. It should have been a fresh set of downs. It wasn't pass interference. It was holding, defensive holding on the Ravens, and we should have had four more chances to punch it into the end zone. Or we should have given it to Frank Gore earlier in the drive. Whatever. And then, of course, um, you know, the next year where one of the greatest championship games of all time, which I will not watch the game tape on or highlights of ever, the Niners-Seahawks-NFC championship game in 2014. That was one of the best games probably for people ever that they've ever seen uh, in that decade. Um, Obviously terrible for me. But regardless, objectively speaking, it was a great game. And then the Harbaugh years kind of fell apart. Um, Jed York and Jim Harbaugh were having, you know, friction, were butting heads. And it was pretty apparent towards the end of that 2014-2015 season, basically since the start, that Jim Harbaugh was going to be fired. So then you're kind of in the wilderness for two years with Jim Tom Sula uh, and you know, Chip Kelly, and don't need to go into those eras at all. But fast forward all the way through Kyle Shanahan now, through we're in year five of Shanna Lynch, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch uh, heading the charge here. Basically, Jed York matured, gave John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan long-term deals, knowing that this was going to be a thorough process in terms of rebuilding and re and building a respectable organization with a respectable culture, with a good reputation. And, you know, obviously culture that could be overrated unless you get players in there that can actually, you know, contribute to winning and stuff like that, which the 49ers have done. So it became apparent in the 2019 season that the 49ers could win a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, if everything breaks right. Now, obviously, the Niners didn't win Super Bowl 54. Um, they were a pass short. They were they were a deep shot short, or Jimmy G overthrew Emmanuel Sanders there at the end. There was also a bunch of there was also some other plays that stuck out, like obviously the third and fifteen, where. I thought we had Mahomes dead to rights. Nick Bosa was held, although you're not really going to get that holding call, but it was a pretty egregious hold. There was the BS offensive pass interference towards the end of the first half of that game. But 
it became apparent that everything had to break right, health, play calling, and otherwise for a Jimmy G-led Super Bowl or a Jimmy G-led team to win a Super Bowl. And it almost happened. But with the injuries and Jimmy G's limited ability as a deep thrower, basically not being able to throw beyond the intermediate and basically not being able to laser a cannon down down outside the numbers on the sideline, it became apparent that the Niners needed a quarterback. But with the COVID season and everything being in flux, the Niners expected to compete again last year. We all know what happened there. A bunch of injuries. I hadn't seen a bunch of injuries like that since the basically Harbaugh's last year where everybody just started falling apart, towards, especially towards the end. But this was by far the worst injury season that I've ever seen from the 49ers this past year. But it became apparent that a franchise quarterback was in order. And so the Niners, who were sitting at the 12th spot, we know the deal. They traded three first-round picks, the 12th pick this year, a future first uh, next year, and then a future first in 2023 to move up to the third spot to take a franchise quarterback. Now, full disclosure, college football in particular is one of those things I have to sacrifice. You can't watch all the sports. I try to watch the big games. I obviously try to read up on writers and scouts who do this for a living. And it became apparent that this was one of the more special quarterback classes or one of the deeper quarterback classes. At one point, there was like five quarterbacks projected to go into the first round. And, you know, that did happen. But you could potentially have had four quarterbacks going in the top 10, which rarely ever happens. Uh, I don't actually think it has happened. But with Trevor Lawrence presumably going to Jacksonville, and Zach Wilson going to the New York Jets. The Niners made the move up to number three, traded with the Miami Dolphins. And so it was basically the three. We all knew that it was came down to three, the three remaining quarterbacks in this class. Oh, Ohio State's Justin, Justin Fields, North Dakota State's Trey Lance, and Alabama's Mac Jones. And so when the Niners traded up to make this move, one, my immediate thought was, okay, we were getting a franchise quarterback. I hadn't even heard the Mac Jones rumors surface that much at around the time the Niners made the pick. And I was thinking, okay, maybe we can get – I was immediately thinking Justin Fields, maybe Trey Lance as a long shot, but I already had my eye set on Fields. I think he's going to be the second-best quarterback in this class. Based off my limited tape, if you will, of seeing these quarterbacks, you know, I could still give my opinion, although it probably won't be as educated and thoroughly researched as somebody who does this for a living. But just based off my quick eye test and reading up on scouting reports and all that stuff, I thought that Justin Fields was going to be the pick. Um, you don't trade up that much draft capital to not take a player with an upside of Justin Fields or Trey Lance, which was the problem and the source of my anxiety heading into the draft this past Friday. For an entire month, the trade was made to number three in late March, and so we basically spent a whole month speculating if the Niners were going to take Mac Jones. Mac Jones, the rumor mill was starting to get louder and louder, and for those of you who don't know, Mac Jones 
compared to Trey Lance and Justin Fields is, to me, Mac Jones, everybody had Mac Jones as the fifth best quarterback in this class. Some people were actually surprised that Mac Jones had been on the rise as as fast as he as he did, as fast as he was rising um, heading into this draft. But because of his accuracy, his ability to throw with anticipation, his ability to process things quickly, even though things are easier to process when you have a bunch of talent at Alabama, especially when five offensive players from Alabama go in the first round in this past in the draft this past Friday. Don't want to discredit Mac Jones, but if the ceiling is Matt Ryan 2.0, then which is a good player, by the way. Matt Ryan is a damn good player. Matt Ryan 2.0 would be a damn good player. That is not who you trade three first-round picks for. You make that type of trade to swing for the fences. And I was worried a little bit towards the end because if you read the tea leaves and if you read the and if you read local beat reporters like Matt Barros, Matt Mayoko, David Lombardi of the Athletic, they Tim Kawakami, everybody, there's a bunch of people who do a good job covering the 49ers. There's podcasters, 49ers podcasters, some of which are with the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, by the way. They even connected the dots early saying that there's no way this Mac Jones noise is real or there's no way you trade up to take Mac Jones because why would Kyle Shanahan send his quarterback's guru to work out with Justin Fields and Trey Lance but not Mac Jones? Why would Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch go to Justin Field and uh, Mac Jones's second pro day in person, even though they went to Mac Jones's first pro day in person? They went to Justin Fields and Trey Lance's second pro day in person, flew out, um, didn't have any personnel working with Mac Jones, but yet they have John Beck, who is a close friend of Kyle Shanahan and a quarterback coach guru, knows how to coach up quarterbacks, working specifically with Fields and Lance to basically run Shanahan-style plays in their pro day so they could showcase their skills. But then, even if you read the tea leaves, and even though you were convinced, even though in the back of your mind you're worried that they're taking Mac Jones, you're convinced that the Mac Jones noise isn't real, but then the week leading up to the draft, basically last Monday, you know, Adam Schefter says the Mac Jones noise hasn't quieted, Ian Rappaport's reports of Mac Jones had hadn't quieted down. Even though there is some walking back in the later days, it had become apparent that the Mac Jones interest was real, at least at the very least, the Mac Jones interest was real, and your boy was freaking out. There I was about to lose all faith, you know, especially as I wavered. I wasn't firm in my conviction that there was no way this pick is Mac Jones. Kyle Shanahan has to be smarter than this. He absolutely is. He knows way more about football than I do. Then why would he trade for Mac Jones? And so on Friday, I was kind of resigned to the fact that we could hear Mac Jones's name. Like I was resigned to the fact that we were going to take Mac Jones and that Justin Fields was out of the equation. But then the noise started to surface a little bit on Friday, the, the morning of the draft. And by this point, after nearly a month of speculation, I had been doom-scrolling Twitter to the bone at this point. I had been reading every article up and down, Niners Nation, The Athletic, 
even the 49ers team website to see what was going on, even reading ESPN. I mean, I was combing through tea leaves trying to basically talk myself or convince myself that there was no way the Niners were interested in Mac Jones. And if we were, I even told some of my friends, if we take Mac Jones, I'm going to throw up. I even made a joke where, would you rather have a 6'4 athletic Marvel that can play quarterback, a 6'3 athletic Marvel that can play quarterback, or a 6'2 unimpressive quarterback who doesn't have the strongest arm, basically Diet Coke Jimmy Garoppolo or or Dollar Tree Jimmy G, as I like to say. And physically speaking, Mac Jones has a dad bod, and I'm pretty sure he has smoker's arms. That's a joke, but, I mean, you know, if you just compare the physical features of Mac Jones and Trey Lance and Justin Fields, the physical profile, yeah, kind of pales in comparison. And so I was losing my mind that we could end up drafting Mac Jones, who would have been a good player under Kyle Shanahan. That is a pick you make with when you have the 12th pick. Not a pick that you make when you trade all the way up to number three. And so I was just ranting to my friends, you know, and going through it, going through it in my head. And I was, when I was ranting to one of my friends, you know, I <laughs> I listed all the quarterbacks that I have ever rooted for in my life, or tried to at least. And I was looking at the list, actually, because when I was ranting to my friend, I was going off the top of my dome. But then I actually looked at the list afterwards, and I was missing, like, two or three more quarterbacks. I have rooted for over 15 starting quarterbacks since the start of the 2000 season. My early elementary school days, fourth, fifth grade, was the Jeff Garcia era. I remember those vividly. That's when I, you know, obviously those were my first early memories of me going to Niner games at Candlestick was obviously seeing Jeff Garcia, Terrell Owens, J.J. Stokes. Garrison Hurst was my favorite running back on the Niners. Uh, Fred Beasley at fullback. We used to, me and my dad used to call him the Beast, obviously. I mean, easy nickname or whatever, but Fred Beasley. Kevin Barlow, Brian Young, obviously, on the other side, Jeff Ulbrich, those that and if Niner fans around my age are probably remembering the these names like, wow, I used to watch these guys in elementary school. But that's my era of 49ers, the dark, the start of the dark years. It was Jeff Garcia making it to two uh, playoffs, playoff appearances in uh, 2000 and 2001. In 2000, the Niners went 12-4 and four and lost to the Packers in the wild card game. I vividly remember the next year in the 2001 playoffs where the Niners won that wild-ass wild card game against the New York Giants. Yeah, we got away with a... Uh, <laughs> we got away with an ineligible receiver downfield, but it was a pass interference on the Giants. And we ended up kicking the field goal and winning... And then we lost to the, I'm pretty sure it was the eventual champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But those are my early memories. And so through Jeff Garcia, I rooted for Tim Rattay, Ken Dorsey, Alex Smith, Cody Pickett. And I actually went to one of Cody Pickett's games that he started in the 2005 year when we had four different starting quarterbacks that year. And we actually beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home. And we were, to say that we were not the favorites in that game 
is putting it lightly, but we somehow won that game. And I remember going to that game. I took my friend. Uh, I remember my dad let me bring one of my uh, friends from elementary school, who's still one of my best friends to this day. We took him to Candlestick that day. And, you know, my dad was pretty much just like, hey, kids, you remember, you know, have fun, but just don't expect to win today. And we ended up winning. <laughs> it was like 15 to 10. It was a low scoring game. But uh, 2006, Alex Smith, 2007, Trent Dilfer, Sean Hill, Chris Winkie for one game, Alex Smith. Then 2008, Sean Hill, JT O'Sullivan. Then 2009, Alex Smith and Sean Hill were actually alternating starting jobs. And I think the Niners finished 500 that year. And we could have won a few more games to put us over 500. So I was hyped going into 2010. But then 2010 didn't didn't really go as we thought. Alex Smith, Sean Hill, or excuse me, Alex Smith, Troy Smith, if we remember, the quarterback from uh, Ohio State. And then, of course, Jim Harbaugh revived Alex Smith's career in 2011. Then Colin Kaepernick, of course. Then Colin Kaepernick transitioning to Blaine Gabbert. That was not fun. It was over <laughs> Jim Tom Sula and Chip Kelly's era. Then, of course, we rooted for uh, then the start of the Shanahan Lynch era, where this was one that stuck in my craw. Now, why I was worried that the draft was going to play out with Mac Jones was in 2017, the first year of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, the Niners decided to pass on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes and drafted Solomon Thomas third after trading back with the Bears. And one of the reasons for that was Kyle Shanahan thought he was going to be able to sign Kirk Cousins in free agency, which was at the time, and this isn't even revisionist history, at the time I thought it was insane. I wanted a quarterback with that third pick. I specifically wanted Deshaun Watson. Um, Patrick Mahomes was the other one that was mentioned too. I wanted no parts of Mitsubishi Mitchell Trubisky. I actually have a few Bears fans, or a few few of my best friends are Bears fans, and I remember... Their reaction at the time was, well, you know, he started he started in limited games at a he started limited games. I don't know if um he, he looks like the future, you know, and you you hear all these nice things about Trubisky, but nothing like football wise that justified him being a high pick. I I was an, I wanted Watson or or not more so Watson than Mahomes, but those were obviously the top prospects or whatever. And so we didn't draft Watson or Mahomes. We drafted Solomon Thomas. We all know how that goes. And so we ended up rooting for Brian Hoyer, the destroyer. We traded up in the 2017 third round for C.J. Beathard, I believe. And then, of course, the Jimmy Garoppolo trade happens and provides hope with, uh, you know, going 5-0 and to close out the season um, after starting 1-10. Um, and we ended up finishing the season 6-10 and because Jimmy G had a bunch of game-winning drives, specifically against the Jaguars, who went to the AFC Championship game that year, and the Titans. Then in 2018, you're rooting for Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, and Jimmy Garoppolo, or in Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously, but, you know, the 2018 year, Jimmy G, third game in in Kansas City, didn't go out of bounds and injures his ACL on the sideline. Then, of course, Jimmy G's one full healthy year, go to the Super Bowl in 2019. 
and then you're rooting for Mullins and Beathard again. So I've listed a bunch of like 15 different starting quarterbacks that I have rooted for. Now compare that to my dad, who is mainly rooted for Joe Montana and Steve Young for most of his adult life and teenage life, in his early young adult life and teenage life. So I imagine all the history that I just gave you and why it should give you a reason why or a good, you know, a good picture as to why I was sitting there with anxiety. So weeks of anxiety, thinking about the draft pick, venting to my friends and <laughs> venting half of my friends who don't give a shit about sports, really uh, venting to them and explaining what's going on and them even saying like, well, yeah, you take the. You take the, uh, well, I shouldn't say give a sh- not give a shit about sports, not give a shit about football specifically. But even those friends were like, you, why wouldn't you take the 6'4 athletic Marvel who could play quarterback? Seems like a simple de- decision, right? So Friday comes around, take my nap. You know, I work overnights, and so, you know, my sleep schedule is off. Have to take, you know, an hour nap during the day. Decide to take a nap, wake up about uh, 30 minutes before the draft, you know, get ready, put on my hat, turn on the TV. I have my sliding glass door window or the blinds to my sliding glass door to my backyard open. So I'm looking out the sliding glass door window and I'm just sitting there or standing there looking out in the distance while the draft starts, you know, the at this point, the Jets had announced, you know, they, they're taking Lawrence. Or no, sorry. The Jaguars had announced they were taking Lawrence. The Jets then take Wilson. And so I'm up there. And the Watch ESPN stream is behind like seven minutes. So I'm off Twitter. I'm off my phone. I don't want any texts from my Niner friends or my family or my non-football watching friends. Because I don't want to get it spoiled because I know it's like seven minutes behind live. And, you know, the commissioner, Roger Goodell, walks up to the podium and I'm looking down on the ground, just basically, you know, hoping. And then the words Trey Lance or sorry, the words with the third pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the Niners select Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State. Just this relief came over me. Just this. Ooh, okay, we didn't mess it up. And, you know, I obviously, like I said, I wavered at the last minute. My faith in Kyle Shanahan wavered at the last minute. It was like, does this offensive genius, this guru, probably the best run designer I have seen in the sport, does he have that much of a hubris to think that He could win with Mac Jones, that he, the coach, is the star of the offense and not the quarterback. And I and I wavered for a bit. I'm not going to lie. But when Trey Lance was picked, relief came in multiple senses. We got a quarterback with high upside. Wasn't Justin Fields. I wanted Justin Fields, but I was completely fine with Trey Lance. And honestly, the more I look into it, the more I watch Trey Lance now, even in the interviews leading up to the process, I'm in on the kid, the the person. He seems really smart. Work ethic is out of this out of this world. Only 20 years old. He turns 21 next week. 
So relief on that front, but also relief that Kyle Shanahan has the willingness to evolve. And that was encouraging. And not that I didn't have doubts Kyle Shanahan wasn't going to evolve. He has shown he's evolved over the years in his thought process. When you listen to his comments after he traded to the third pick, he said you want somebody who can move and also throw. Basically, he said Drew Brees that can run like Lamar Jackson. And now he seems to have found that guy. And now it's coming out that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were basically the only two people who knew they were picking Lance back in January before the trade was even made. And so apparently Kyle Shanahan had his eye on Trey Lance for a while. And that was who he had in mind when he decided to trade up. And um, he basically let the Mac Jones rumors spiral out of control. Didn't want bother addressing the rumors. Probably added a little bit more smoke to the fire when he made those comments about you know, not guaranteeing that anyone will be on the ro- or not guaranteeing that anyone would be alive on Sunday, let alone the roster. Well, it's past Sunday. We made it, Kyle. By the way, we're all alive. Um, but he ends up handpicking his guy with upside, six four, two thirty, can run, can throw on the move, has a big arm, needs to work on his accuracy issues. And his footwork, which honestly sounds a lot. The the Josh Allen comparison gets thrown around a lot, and that's probably why. But it's a good situation now. Because whether or not Jimmy G starts or not, which I think he will, uh, at least for now, Trey Lance can sit behind Garoppolo and learn for a bit. Although part of me also just wants... Part of me wants them to throw Lance into the fire because you don't trade three first-round picks to let a guy sit for a year, let alone two years. If he's sitting next year, it's a failure. But you end up getting a young, moldable quarterback, and he's young, has probably 10% more upside than Fields. He's 10% more physically impressive than Fields, who is a physical freak in his own right, but has a 5% better arm and is also this was touted as the smartest quarterback in the class, which is probably why Kyle Shanahan had Trey Lance number one the entire time over fields so not only does a football genius get the player that he wants now here's where the big bucks come in you're the genius Kyle you're the offensive guru you have a great coaching staff we have a great organization now it's time to put this great organization that Jed York has entrusted and has allowed to cook to be put to the test If Trey Lance reaches his ceiling, which he has the highest ceiling, or he's touted as having the highest ceiling, if there is one coach that can bring Trey Lance to that ceiling, it's got to be Kyle Shanahan. He runs similar, similar concepts. He ran similar concepts at North Dakota State, was under center a lot. And if you remember the Atlanta offense where Matt Ryan won the 2016 MVP, A lot of the times, Matt Ryan was under center. And so now, Shanahan probably won't be operating from the gun as much if you put Lance in there. There's going to be a few designed runs. The intermediate and down-the-field throws are open now to us. That's an option we can use that we haven't used before. Not only designed runs, but designed play actions, 
all kinds of run concepts in the red zone. We just get a guy that can make football plays, backyard football plays, which was something that was sorely missed with this team. And if you give Kyle Shanahan a dynamic weapon like that, just imagine the shit he's going to be cooking up with. And even if Lance, you know, is still raw, if he sees the field, I don't think there's any way Lance doesn't see the field this season. Whether it be through injury, whether he beats Jimmy G outright in training camp, or whether Kyle and John just say, screw it, let's just throw him in there. Kyle Shanahan's going to find ways to get him open, take advantage of his running, give him different throwing platforms to throw from, leverage his speed in different ways, his legs in different ways, and we'll see what happens from there. This is exciting. I am more excited now. We got a good kid, and I say we because, yes, I am a Niner fan. We got a good kid who is willing to put in the work, who is uber-talented. Accuracy, that's going to be the big question mark because it's very hard, historically, to approve on accuracy. Accuracy. Josh Allen is the most recent example. Before that, far and few in between. But... If you just look at the past draft, if you look at the other draft decisions they made after Lance, getting two offensive linemen, getting Trey Sermon from Ohio State, getting Elijah Mitchell, drafting, uh, I'm, I'm, hopefully I don't butcher his name, but Talanua Hufanda, who looks like a, who is a, who just seems like a great kid and is learning under Troy Polamalu. And, you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on all these late-round picks, but, you know, the Niners had three fifth-round picks on Saturday, and most of their good play- <laughs> their good players have come from the fifth round. One, namely, George Kittle, the people's tight end, of course, drafted in the fifth round. Dre Greenlaw, starting uh, starting caliber line- middle linebacker next to Fred Warner. So now it just seems like Kyle Shanahan, based on his draft picks with the two guards and the two running backs, He's just going to go in on 11-on-11 bully ball with athleticism. And, man, that is going to be fun to watch over the next few years. I am excited. I love the Lance pick. And the more I dive into it, the more I love the Lance pick. Um, He's definitely going to have some stuff to work on to reach his ultimate ceiling. But I think baseline, he's going to be a very high – it'd be like putting – nitrous oxide in a Ferrari when Kyle Shanahan's bringing the Ferrari while Trey Lance is bringing the uh, nitrous oxide. And um, if he doesn't start this year, he's definitely starting next year. And uh, either way, the Niners are in an advantageous situation. And as a fan, I am very happy. I just wanted a franchise guy to root for for the next decade. I thought it was going to be Colin Kaepernick. Did not think it was going to be Alex Smith, even though I, me and my dad have had so many living room arguments about Alex Smith, and I defended Alex Smith every time. You know, the situation he was put in, et cetera, et cetera. I defended my quarterbacks, and I thought Colin Kaepernick was going to be the franchise guy, but then obviously that took a whole life of his own with Harbaugh fall, with the Harbaugh-York falling out and, you know, the NFL blackballing cap. 
from the NFL after he started kneeling uh, during the national anthem in protest of police brutality against black people, which is still fucking happening. Now I get to, hopefully for the next decade, I get to see what rooting for a franchise quarterback is like. And I am just really glad, in a very simplistic fan way of putting it, that the Niners did not fuck this up. Sorry about the very little hoops talk today, but it is my podcast and I wanted to vent, have a little therapy session and, you know, some post-draft thoughts now that I'm a few days removed from it. Wanted to express my thoughts, so thank you for indulging me. Thank you for listening. Please spread the word, leave a like, a review, give the podcast five stars. And uh, like I said, we're going to have an actual hoops pod coming up this week well this is a hoop centric podcast by the way this is a hoop centric podcast but as you can see my past episodes I talk about anime video games other sports and my team so this is really just a podcast where you just come in and chill and hang out and listen to me rap for 30 to 40 minutes so anyway That is my spiel about the 49ers. Very happy with the draft. Very happy and excited about next year because I actually do think this draft class, the two two guards we drafted, the two running backs we drafted, and the three defensive backs we got, really do think that this team, when healthy, my God, can we please stay healthy this year, is a Super Bowl contender or at least a contender for a deep playoff run. Um, Jimmy G's health withstanding. But it's going to be fun. And these next few years are going to be fun. And I'm excited now. Mac Jones would have made this a very sad and unenthusiastic podcast. And I actually would have felt bad for the backlash he would have gotten from fans and media, especially media. Well, especially fans and media, because one, fans wouldn't let up. And two, the media would not let up on the Mac Jones pick if he was picked. And... Even if Mac Jones had won a lot more than people expected, you know how the media is. They don't want to admit when they're wrong. They want to die on the hill. They want to die on the take. So they would have been, they still would have found ways to kill Mac Jones, even if Mac Jones had said performed better than expected. But all crises averted, Mac Jones is going actually going to a good situation in New England, which I think he will do. Act, he will actually do well there. Um, quarterback, a good quarterback just falling to Bill Belichick again. But um, I am really glad that we have a potential franchise quarterback. It's, like, it's exciting. It's exciting. So anyway, thank you for listening to the podcast. Stay tuned later this week for about 30 to 35 minutes of NBA talk. And until then, deuces.